This is section 25 of Mark Twain Speaking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Dinner Speech Farewell Banquet for Bayard Taylor, Delmonico's, New York, April 4, 1878. Read by John Greenman. Mr. Chairman, I had intended to make an address of some length here tonight, and in fact, wrote out an impromptu speech, but have had no time to memorize it. I cannot make a speech on the moment, and therefore, being unprepared, I am silent and undone. However, I will say this much for the speech that I had written out, that it was a very good one, and I gave it away as I had no further use for it, and saw that I could not deliver it. Therefore I will ask the indulgence of the company here to let me retire without speaking. I will make my compliments to our honored friend, Mr. Taylor, but I will make them on board ship, where I shall be a fellow passenger. The following is the speech Mark Twain had prepared. I have been warned, as no doubt have all among you that are inexperienced, that a dinner to our ambassador is an occasion which demands, and even requires, a peculiar caution and delicacy in the handling of the dangerous weapon of speech. I have been warned to avoid all mention of international politics and all criticisms, however mild, of countries with which we are at peace, lest such utterances embarrass our minister and our government in their dealings with foreign states. In a word, I have been cautioned to talk, but be careful not to say anything. I do not consider this a difficult task. Now, it has often occurred to me that the conditions under which we live at the present day, with the revelations of geology all about us, viewing upon the one hand the majestic configurations of the Silurian, Olithic, Old Red Sandstone periods, and upon the other the affiliations and stratifications and ramifications of the prehistoric post-pliocene anti-penultimate epochs we are stricken dumb with amazed surprise and can only lift up our hands and say with that wise but odious frenchman it was a slip of the tongue sir and wholly unintentional entirely unintentional it would ill become me upon an occasion like this purposely to speak slightingly of a citizen of a country with whom we are at peace and especially great and gracious france whom god preserve the subject however is a delicate one and i will not pursue it but as i was about to remark cast your eye abroad sir for one pregnant moment, over the vista which looms before you in the mighty domain of intellectual progression, and contemplate the awe-compelling theory 
of the descent of man development sir development natural selection correlation of the sexes spontaneous combustion what gulfs and whirlwinds of intellectual stimulus these magic words fling upon the burning canvas of the material universe of soul across the chasm of the ages we take the oyster by the hand and call him brother and back and still further back we go and breathe the germ we cannot see and know in him our truer adam and as we stand dazed transfixed exalted and gaze down the long procession of life marking how steadily how symmetrically we have ascended step by step to our sublime estate and dignity of humanity out of one lowly form into a little higher and a little higher forms adding grace after every change developing from tadpoles into frogs frogs into fishes fishes into birds birds into reptiles reptiles into russians i beg a million pardons sir and gentlemen it was a wholly innocent slip of the tongue and due only to the excitement of debate for far be it from me on such an occasion as this to cast a seeming slur upon a great nation with which we are at peace a great and noble and christian nation whom god expand but as i was about to remark i maintain and nothing can ever drive me from that position that the contributions of the nineteenth century to science and the industrial arts are are but of course they are there is no need to dwell upon that you look at it yourself look at steam look at the steamboat look at the railway look at the steamship look at the telegraph which enables you to flash your thoughts from world to world ignoring intervening seas look at the telephone which enables you to speak into affection's remote ear the word that cheers and into the ear of the foe the opinion which you ought not to risk at shorter range look at the sewing machine look at the fog horn look at the bell punch look at the book agent and more than all a thousand times look at the last and greatest the aerophone which will enable moody and sankey to stand on the tallest summit of the rocky mountains and deliver their message to listening america and necessarily it will annul and do away with the pernicious custom of taking up a collection look at all these things sir and say if it is not a far prouder and more precious boon to have been born in the nineteenth century than in any century that went before it ah sir 
clothed with the all-sufficient grandeur of citizenship in the nineteenth century even the wild and arid new jersey man might a mistake sir a mistake and entirely unintentional of all the kingdoms principalities and countries with which it is our privilege to hold peaceful relations i regard new jersey as dearest to our admiration nearest to our heart the wisest and the purest among the nations i retire the undiplomatic language and beg your sympathy and indulgence but as i was about to remark it has always seemed to me that is of course since i reached a reasoning age that this much agitated question of future rewards and punishments was one upon which honest and sincere differences of opinion might exist one individual with more or less justice leaning to the radical side of it whilst another individual with apparently equal justice but with infinitely more common sense more intelligence more justification leads to a bitter and remorseless detestation of the pitiless prince of perdition a slip of the tongue i do sincerely assure you i beg you to let me withdraw that unintentional slur upon the character of that great and excellent personage with whom and whose country we are upon the closest and warmest terms and who it is no use sir i will sit down i don't seem to have any knack at a diplomatic speech i have probably compromised the country enough for the present uh, nonsense aside sir i am most sincerely glad to assist at this public expression of appreciation of mr taylor's character scholarship and distinguished literary service i am sure he was not merely one of the fittest men we had for the place but the fittest in so honoring him our country has conspicuously honored herself end of dinner speech read by john greenman